Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club. My name is Joe. I am your host. With me is Ben from the Real Wolf Record Club panel. And and I got to tell you, we are in the midst here on the Real Wolf Record Club season two in the midst of a heavy pop phase here on the show. Uh, today, today we are talking about another great pop album of our time uh, from, quite frankly, and this is not hyperbole, uh, from an artist that is probably, probably the biggest pop star of our time. Um, you know, I try to avoid that wherever I can, but I don't think that's too far from the truth. She's she's one of the best-selling recording artists of all time. She sold like nine trillion records. Uh, she's always got number ones. She's won countless awards, although there was some controversy at the Grammys recently. Um, we can sort that one out forever. Um, more importantly, perhaps, though, she's a cultural and social icon inspiring legions of fans and followers who call themselves uh, members of the, <laughs> I'm going to betray so much about myself when I mispronounce the Bayhive. I wanted to call it the Beehive, but it's the Bayhive, I believe. And her music and art has transcended music into theater, stage, film productions. Her 2016 album Lemonade is a concept album exploring themes of infidelity, racism, trauma, and grief through a generational lens and was accompanied by its own 65-minute film of the same name. It is widely regarded as one of the greatest pop albums of all time, made made by one of the greatest artists of all time, none other than Queen Bey herself, Beyonce. Uh, before we tell you who we're talking about, the album with, uh, Ben, speaking of concept albums, you you are a concept album guy i think they're fucking dumb <laughs> like i am not <laughs> a concept like i listened to pete townshend talk about the concept of and i'm sorry ben i'm going right to it going for the throat here because i think this is yours but i list like a rock opera like that's like nuts and gum together at last like no i like nuts and i like gum but i don't need them together and so that's my so I don't have an answer to this question, but in due fairness to my good friend and partner Ben, what's your favorite concept album of all time? Because we're talking about one today, a great one. Is it Tommy? Did I hit it on the note? We are. Um you know, you are talking about one of one of my <laughs> favorite so concept albums. Uh it's a it's a very close number two because I am a pinball wizard and mm. that song just really hits home for me. Last action but, hero, right? Yeah, Last Action Hero. It's 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 actually uh, it's out of shop. right now. I need Ben has a pinball machine. Last Action Hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hmm. Um, all right, but it's it's Go. not it's not it's not Tommy. I, I'm actually going with Pink Floyd, The Wall. And mm. there's there's a lot of people out there that are Dark Side of the Moon people. I'm a Wall person. Wow. All right. Well, that's. I, I wish I had more to contribute to it. Um, I'm I'm not. I'm a I'm a vinyl guy. I listen to the record start to finish, but I'm also a Spotify playlist mix it up guy. And concept albums, if you don't have the context and it comes up, it's really confusing sometimes. So um I wish I had more. Um, but again, lemonade. I, I on its face, it surprised me to learn that there is a big 
broad context or excuse me, concept going on with it to the point where there's actually a film. I didn't know that. Um, and so we're talking about Lemonade by Beyonce and it's an amazing record in that sense that there's a lot to it. Um, it's a concept album and, and I can't wait to dig into some of those themes that come out of this record with us to do that. It's a first year on the real wolf record club, a fellow podcaster, uh, comedian, actor, writer based in Austin, Texas, uh, the host and creator of Spotify podcast, Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, a nature show by the most reluctant host ever. And my, when I, when we first talked to our guest about coming on the show, I was looking up her, her bio background, all those things. And I thought, oh my God, this is, where has this show been all my life? Because it is so me. I identify so strongly with the idea that outside it's, I mean, it's okay, but it usually is awful. Um, she is a widely published reporter, poet, and advocate on civil rights and immigration issues. And you may have even seen her perform at comedy festivals, festivals across the country, including the Laugh After Dark Fest. I'm going to say it right this time. I'm not going to mess it up like the Bayhive. Our guest is the wonderful, talented Ivy Lee with one E. Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club, Ivy. Making history. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, breaking barriers. Uh, <laughs> so happy to have you. Um I, I have to ask you, I mean, I really have to ask you though, are you a member of the Bayhive? Is that said absolutely? Right? When you guys gave me a list, when you guys gave me a list of albums I could choose from, it was right after the Grammys when I looked at the list. I was so worked up that I was like, We're doing a Beyonce album. <laughs> We're doing the Beyonce al album that should have won best album in the year that it came out. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like I get the controversy that people are like, oh, she should have gotten this. I'm like, no, she shouldn't. She should have already gotten it for Lemonade. And then it wouldn't be such an issue this year. And Harry, look, that's a great record. And in fact, full disclosure, I mentioned it last episode on the Twit Taylor Swift episode. Uh, my my young daughter is very much a music head. Um, she quotes Tom Petty. And I mean, quotes. I'm not kidding. And uh, she also really likes Harry Styles. But Harry did himself no favors, number one, by having a butchered performance, technical issues, but also, I know you think you're a normal dude and things like this don't happen to me every day, but when you say that, as a white <laughs> male, that this doesn't happen, I'm like, no, that's the whole point of the Grammys, that's the problem, is it always happens to dudes like you, Harry, <laughs> so he didn't help anybody um yeah, so like, okay does he think nobody who's ever won no other artist who has won like had jobs like that right. <laughs> i it was just it was a weird show um and i don't usually watch but again uh we were watching clips of harry and beyonce and all the things that were going on but um so you are a member how how long have you loved beyonce Okay, first of all, I'm from Texas, and I feel like y'all forget that Beyonce is from Texas. By the way, so is Megan the Stallion, and so is Lizzo. Okay, I didn't so, forget any of that. Hey, and Selena. I mean, people know that Selena's from Texas, but like we got these women before y'all got these women. Do you know what I mean? You mean so, y'all like, like the rest of everybody, not just you're not like directing it at Minnesota, right? No, no, like literally the rest of the rest. Like of I the was, content. but for okay. the point of this, I won't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like all y'all, you're right. The plural, all y'all. Right? Got it. <laughs> the collective. Okay. Uh, so like 
this was already like Destiny's Child and kind of these sounds. These were the, this is the kind of stuff that taught me how to speak English. Mm. Not sorry, not this particular album, because I think the reason why this particular album moves me so much is because it feels like a coming, stepping into a power. It feels like a maturation. It feels like a resolved midlife crisis. It feels, you know what I mean? It feels like this like blossoming of, of, of a woman that, that we, that we started to get to know here in Texas as a girl and, you know, as the rest of the world, you know, also kind of got to know as a girl, Jay-Z got to know as a girl, but nobody even talks about that anyways. Oh, that's across the bow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, and I think, and so I think growing up, you're right. To me, it was just pop, right? Mm-hmm. It was pop that I adored, right? Like, uh, it was it was pop that taught me how to speak English. That it was just Destiny's Child was was there with you know with TLC with there was there with SWV, right? There were mm-hmm. all of these kind of girl groups, and collectively they formed <laughs> collectively like they formed me, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think kind of in those decades. You know, I'm not black, but I'm a woman of color. I'm Vietnamese mm-hmm. American. I'm Vietnamese AF. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> I, 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 I speak it. I, I can, I mm-hmm. can cook it. I, I'm Buddhist. I, I drive a performance car. I, when I was young, I used to dig, sneak out to raves through secret tunnels. I dug. You know what I mean? So wait a second. Hold just, on. Hold on. I have to pause that for just one second. Hold that. Is that a thing? Because you mentioned that under the umbrella of I am Vietnamese AF, and you mentioned things that. You cook it, speak it, and then you said, I go to raves. Is that a thing in Vietnamese uh, American culture that kids just sneak out to raves? <laughs> well, it was the Vietnamese, it was it was a joke. In my line of work, we have these things called punchlines. And and the punchline was that I'm dissecting I, I was sneaking the, the out art. through rave, through, through like the tunnels that I dug because y'all think of us as, as like the, the tunnel digging. Asian Ivy, I was like willing to go wherever you were going to lead me. I was like, hey, that's a, okay. But, I, next episode on the Real Wolf Rock Club. But, <laughs> Vietnamese Americans and raves. Let's talk. But yes, Vietnamese, Amer- Vietnamese Americans like are are um, a big part of the rave culture because gotcha. I'm I grew up in Dallas, Texas. So Beyonce is from Houston. I'm from Dallas, um, and rave culture was nascent here in the United mm-hmm. States, um, and it was kind of coming up through scenes like in Dallas, Texas, through warehouse parties and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, I mean, that's a whole nother topic. I don't know if you guys call me back if you're doing an EDM album, because what's happened, what happened to me, what I saw growing up was that it, the raves were so alternative and underground and we were wearing um, baggy, like big baggy parachute pants. Like people were playing with gender. Um, it was like super diverse. And now I go to EDM shows and EDM festivals and like everybody's dressed like an intergalactic sex worker and stripper <laughs> and it's much less diverse maybe more yeah. international but kind of but definitely like a different socioeconomic class yeah you know definitely like the image is very um the image is very whitewashed you know sure and it's like it's like people forget i mean this has happened to other genres that like a, a, a lot of black people were involved in the invention of <laughs> edm you know right but Yeah, but, you know, it was like kind of starting in Detroit and then scenes like Dallas just like really embraced it. So I was sneaking out to raves when I was young and now I don't have to sneak out to them. Now I just have to get a babysitter before I go. (laughs) Anyway, you were talking about uh, Beyonce and all these great, powerful artists that 
were maybe pop to some, but had really helped form a lot. For yeah, forms my identity as like an, as an American woman of color. And uh, but it was just kind of part of this like pantheon. Right. And and so I didn't I think there's this SNL skit that came out after Lemonade came out where uh, it was like the day that Beyonce became black and like people oh. panicked because they she, they went from she went from being, you know, um, just a more generic pop artist. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, my God, she's black. And all these people who like, you know, just like mm -hmm. freaked out about that. Mm -hmm. Um. So I would never penalize her for what was going on before because that was just kind of we were in the um, oh we don't see race and we're a melting pot phase of our discussion about race in the United States right so mm -hmm. if you wanted to kind of make it and be famous and get to make tons of money and, and things like that you did have to kind of um, you'd be like okay which parts of me are most broadly accessible and and as an artist I'll put those parts of me forward you know mm -hmm. and now. As Dave Chappelle says, she's got no you shut the fuck up money. <laughs> now she can be <laughs> now she can put forward whatever parts of her she wants, she damn well yeah. pleases. And that was something that was just so um beautiful about about this album that I was like, oh my God, like Beyonce just went from being like the soundtrack of my life to like the just the full girl to like a goddess, you know, <laughs> to yeah. like I think that kind of cemented her as not just a popular artist, but I think a really like a capital I important artist. Yeah. And, and don't get, I mean, I, the, the pop reference to me, I think there's a point in many music fans life where it's so trendy and feels you, there's like some value to be like, ugh, pop trash. Ugh, that music sucks. And I don't know that Beyonce ever was or wasn't in that camp, but I will say pop, might have been a slur at one point about music. You'd say it's pop. Ugh, it's for the regulars. It's for the masses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, I don't, and now there is, I mean, this, this borders on art pop. I mean, Beyonce is there's, there's some, there's a lot of layers and complexity to it that I think it's now to the point to talk about what you, when you say pop, usually we're talking about, you know, iconic people, people that are beyond just music, beyond just releasing a record, beyond just, I feel like beyond and Beyonce, there's something there. I just had a moment. Anyways, um, maybe that's why it's beyond music. It's Beyonce music. There you go. Um, boom, <laughs> boom, nailed it. Um, but that's I, I think that's that's really interesting that you see that because it, it's something that I think a lot of people have identified with um, about Beyonce is that she means something to them in a way that's not just about music. What what Tell me about your start in whether it be comedy or performing or, you know, all those things that that we heard about in the intro that you do. You're, you're kind of what you are about um, because it, it just rings to me when we talk about Beyonce and what she means to different people. It's not just music. It's just there's a lot more to it. So let's start. Tell me about Ivy Lee with 1E. Oh, I used to, as a performer, <laughs> you have to specify because I, I all the no way back relation to Robert E. Right. I, in your podcast, you talk about swimming off islands where they can't live in in the inner parts of the islands because there's a bug that kills you within 24 hours. And then you're getting slammed on coral because you swam away from the line. I'm like, so whichever way you want to take that question. <laughs> Your life is yeah. very interesting to me. <laughs> uh, I am someone who, uh, when I go outside, terrible things happen, uh, as you mentioned. <laughs> so I try to avoid it. Uh, but as a comedian, 
just as a personality, I'm not famous enough yet, I think, to sell shows where I do things that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so right now, I think um, people take the most pleasure out of just watching me suffer. Um, and so that, <laughs> that's why that's why I'm the host of a nature show called Go Fear of Going Outside, um, where I continue to go outside and terrible things continue to happen. <laughs> but before, before I was the most trusted nature show host by indoor people. I started comedy just a, just a few years back, actually just kind of just before the pandemic. Um, comedy, I feel like came to me. Like when I was growing up, I definitely did not see, it, it, I saw like Margaret Cho had like a season of a sitcom, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that went terribly, mm. <laughs> terribly. <laughs> So I was lucky enough to be alive for kind of this, like this kind of the heyday of black sitcoms and in living color and mm -hmm. things like that. But I was not seeing standups that made me think, oh, I want to be like him when I grow up. Right. I saw a lot of standups. I'm like, wow, you're a cautionary tale. I'm going to go to college instead. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, but what I was working on was narrative change. I was the first person in my family to be native born American citizen. Um, and I, for a very long time, I was the only one who could speak English. And for, mm -hmm. so I, so I, I had to guess what a lot of words in English meant, you know, but, <laughs> but I talk like this uh, because I, I'm also old enough, please don't tell anybody in LA, but I'm old enough to um, have been alive when MTV only showed music videos. So yeah. I pretty much learned how to speak English from MTV and PBS. Wow. <laughs> like equal parts MTV wow. and PBS. That, I'm thinking of when that would have been and what songs you might have been hearing. You would have been hearing rap. You would have been hearing a lot of Absolutely. that that breezy um jangly uh rock you know like flock of seagulls and i mean there's a lot of weird stuff that you would probably <laughs> aerosmith which a little cringy now but um anyways <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of it stuff. was a lot of rap and my yeah. local radio stations you know in dallas where i lived was mostly rap and i'm also i'm also raging bisexual so i i did not know because I live in Texas and my family is Vietnamese. These are two very sexually conservative cultures. I don't think that I knew that other people were not bi. Mm. Does that make sense? Because I'm just like trying, I'm just a kid who nobody in my family speaks English. Nobody at schools understands my life. And I'm just trying to piece things together and use context clues where I can. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, when people are gay, everybody's just bisexual or whatever this is that I am, which is just sensitive to beauty and having crushes on their teachers and people of all kinds, right? But oh. who the but you the person you end up marrying, it determines what if you're gay or straight. I'm like, because I, I think that's what these words mean is whoever you end up marrying is like the thing that you are, right? Because everybody must just be like me, because no one has ever discussed this topic with me and will probably never discuss this topic with me. And wow. so I, I would listen to all of these rap lyrics, which as an adult, I can understand that they were, that some of them were deeply misogynistic, right? But to me, first of all, the message of, 
the message of like, hey, no matter no matter what the challenges and obstacles are, like we're just gonna we're just gonna keep hustling and we're gonna overcome them and we're gonna achieve our dreams anyway and we're gonna make it out of the hood and we're gonna make money and we're not gonna be poor anymore. And that message resonates with new Americans deeply, 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 deeply. And with for the misogynistic stuff, I was like, I mean, yeah, don't doesn't everybody want to see women dance like that's certainly how I feel you know <laughs> but like I did not internalize that misogyny against myself because I just didn't understand how gendered and and, yeah. and heteronormative it was because I was just not heteronormative and no one told me that that was not normal Wow. We had, Ben, I don't know if you remember, uh, we had uh, friends from the 612 Brew uh, Brewery, uh, which is a BIPOC-owned brewery up in the Twin Cities. And one of our guests there um, mentioned he grew up as a kid listening to The Chronic, Dr. Dre. And there was something about being from an immigrant family that he was like, that, take whatever you want, but definitely within rap from that era. There was that hustle, get after it, move, you know, hustle, 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 make that money. And he's like, I identified with that because my dad had me working from like very young age. And interesting. That's really interesting. But um, you you pulled out kind of those things that you're drawing in from your identity. And and when did I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Beyonce, I think we're the same age, close to it. Beyonce must have come maybe high school would have been for you. Close. I I'm think not... Destiny's Child was earlier than high school for me. I think. We're I mean, close. I'm in a time warp now. We're close. Yeah. Well, I was so I graduated in 01 from high school. So it would have yeah, been, yeah, high schoolish. Yeah. Around high school, maybe a little before when Destiny's Child. Is that kind of your first? Yeah, I'm counting, I'm counting Destiny's Child. Gotcha. And that's where you first kind of encountered Queen Bay, was that that point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was just a soundtrack of, that was just a soundtrack of our, that was like the sound. These are the, these, the, these groups. Do you remember Cherish? There were even, there were so many of these girl groups, right? And obviously there's so many of these like boy band groups as well, yeah. but there were so many of these like R&B pop. Like, I guess I, I didn't really think of it as pop until you literally said it today. I always thought of her as an R&B artist, mm. but you know, for me, like, that's just like so broad. I think of pop artists. I think of um michael jackson you know like she's not a michael jackson to, to me well, see that's where i don't know and that's not necessarily a point to agree or disagree on i i i think of her as that level that's so universal yeah yeah no no i totally understand what you're saying once you said it but in terms of like the musicality oh I had yeah never, it had never occurred to me um that musically you know insert i think with the latest album her latest album is definitely pop dance and like to me like i'm queer so to me her latest album is i'm like she rupaul at all already made this album you know whereas lemonade uh, so i'm like I i'm not mad that she didn't win album of the year this year you know yeah i'm mad that she didn't win album of the year when lemonade when lemonade came out because mm -hmm. lemonade is kind of that she 
takes these songs like she's not a songwriter right like so Kendrick Lamar is on like a track Kendrick Lamar that's a rapper that writers love and I am a writer I'm like I'm right. like I'm a writer type of comedian you know yeah some just kind of get up stage and they write on stage I like write I like pour over every syllable I pour over every yeah. word I I excise every cliche from every line that accidentally gets in there like I'm a writer right yeah and so there are people like Kendrick Lamar that you're like that's you know, if you're going to be a writer, even in a language that you had to work so hard to earn, like rappers like that are the ones that I, that's like rap is music for writers. Do you know? Yeah, it's like right. highly dense writing, just, just tricks of just things that you're like, you know, I could do that with words, you know, mm -hmm. but Beyonce is not a writer, but Beyonce brings is that artistic vision that like a writer can be a really great writer, a producer can be a really great producer, a choreographer can be a really great choreographer, but she has a taste level that just brings them all together. That just kind of by her injecting her, you know, just spark of life to it, brings them all together in a way that they wouldn't have been able to bring to life themselves, right? So they mm -hmm. picture these songs and then she can come up with, you what you're calling a concept album, but like, all of these pieces came from a lot of different songwriters, you know, that pitched them to her. Um, and then her kind of like, how am I going to put these together? What's the story I want to tell? What's the order I want to tell them in? And then how, what is this visual imagery and who's a director of photography that I can actually trust to make this film with and everything. Um, to me, I see like that is not what I saw from music videos in the nineties when she was just, when she mm. was just so, when she was a child, you know, she was like right. a teenager in her early twenties or like whatever. So like, she didn't have that. She did not stick out as like having a, 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 an impact on my life, you know, but as, but now, <laughs> now I feel that she does like back then, back then I would say somebody like Prince had the most direct impact on my life. Back then somebody like Prince made it possible for me to just be, as weird as I am all the time and, and <laughs> his existence on earth made it easier to just be the way that I am, you know, Beyonce was not doing that in the nineties and the, in the early aughts. Oh, and I don't and, even and, remember what question we're talking about right now. <laughs> that's we were, t I mean, your, your introduction into identity and music. I mean, it is like, when you talk, when I, when I mentioned about the, the podcast Fogo and how I so identify with like the idea of music and identity, the idea of representation, the idea of seeing yourself in someone else, the idea of, you know, for you, it, it might be, there was nobody that was a comedian that looked or sounded like me. And so I might not have identified that, but there was this weirdo named Prince that I was like, I get like the fact that he is so himself makes it okay for me to be my like I love that part of it and so that wasn't the question but I just I'm it's one of those putting a pin in it moments like I'm like that's <laughs> I love like that's that's where I drew it um my it, publicist is gonna be so mad and she's like you're the first half hour you're supposed to talk about your show and I'm like I can't all I could talk about is music I'm so sorry <laughs> I don't I mean, get to talk it, about this stuff very often yeah well and I mean that's and that's that's the other part about it I mean I think your show does a really good job of if you listen and listeners check it out on Spotify, um, season two is now out, correct? You're in season two. Yes. Yeah. Season two is actively dropping every Monday, but you, you, you can listen to it anywhere, but it is a Spotify show. So it does help me marginally more. If you listen to it on Spotify, like prove to Spotify that they're, that they're I, you know, getting so their money's worth. We were, I think Ben, Ben, you're on like, 
you're on uh google play title. Or <laughs> i was gonna say title ben you you title exclusive you 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 had a reason that you might not be on spotify i was gonna tease you for being on like like ivy said title or i don't know netscape navigator player or something like that like but but you 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 had your identity stolen through Spotify. hey but i will i will say this yes i had my account stolen it was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had because I was listening to music and suddenly it changed as I was listening to it. And it went to some like, I don't know, some kind of like deep trance music type of stuff. And I was like, what is happening here? So they changed it back to what I was listening to. And then it just like on the screen changed again. And I changed it back. And then it changed to sex noises. <laughs> What's the title of the song? Sex noises. No. And I was like, what? on earth so i like logged out changed my password and then i looked and i i uh my account had been upgraded to a family plan and and uh some you know some people were using my account but i contacted spotify and they gave me like a a month or a month and a half for free so i was about to say like do do you need me to call somebody at spotify for you no they 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 handled it man they're like you know switch your password i said i already did it and like we're gonna give you credit for all of the extra charges plus we'll give you like a month for free and i was like wow that's like and customer satisfied that's like the most (laughs) that's like the most dickensian version of identity theft that there's someone out there that stole your spotify account just so that little timmy could listen to sex Sex noises noises. and deep no they were doing it because they knew i was changing it so then they're like i'll show them like i'm gonna blast some sex noises (laughs) like this is that's funny. Got All right. Me. So what what is your what is what is your I mean, because we're on Spotify, we're on Yeah. So whatever, here's Apple. what I want y'all to do. I want you to listen on Spotify and then I want you to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it's really good for the morale of everyone in the team whenever there's a new Apple review because everybody Aww. reads it and sends it to each other. Oh. All right. All right. Here's a challenge to all our listeners. Go to uh Fogo, find that on Google Play. Apple Music, <laughs> iTunes, whatever it is, and then Spotify. Um, if you want us to get, by the way, Ivy, you should drop some names of your staff who maybe won't listen to this podcast, but hopefully do, and le- tell us uh, like, "Hey, Sarah did a great job with that thing." Who? What uh, would, well, what would... y'all, y'all hear about producer Mariah Gossett, who in season so in season one, I I did all the field tape by myself i like mm-hmm. collected all the field tape before i went and found a home for this show she's the buzzkill I... right <laughs> she's the buzzkill on she, season two she's she, always like we can't do that Insurance she, yeah, right producer right she yeah. has to do producer things yeah. to be like yeah um but uh normally she has a really positive attitude but it was really hard this season to keep a positive attitude so season one is about camping i do everything at I try to figure out how to go camping from like step zero. And then I mm. literally go and do it in the season finale. Well, season two is about hunting and hunting. It's a shit show. And I did not know though. No one who worked on the show knew, but because we don't have outdoor people who work on the show, the closest is Mariah Gossett, our producer who goes hiking every weekend. But she had never gone hunting. She did not think it was going to be like that big of a deal. So now outdoor people are writing me now, which a little too late. Where the fuck were y'all a year ago? (laughs) (laughs) When I was posting about this on social media, asking questions and looking for sources, you know, so now it's like a little too late. But 
a lot of outdoor people are like, oh my God, hunting's like so, such a bigger step from camping. Like, you know, like I would, I'm an outdoor person that I would never, but to me, because they know that they know the nuance and the gradations because they're outdoor people, right? They know, they yeah, understand themselves, yeah. right? To me, before I undertook this camping and hot hunting were just in a broad stroke, they were in the same bucket of what I call white nonsense. So I did not understand that there was such a big like ravine, I guess. Like Ben a bit in post, please segment that out and let's use yes. that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. So keep going. I'm sorry. I, I had to put a yeah. pin in that. I that's perfect. <laughs> now now I'm understanding that like white nonsense cannot be contained in a single bucket. There is so much. That you have yeah. separate, I have to separate, I have to have <laughs> new buckets, okay, for this. So uh, <laughs> so that's Mariah. Um, so in season one, I did all the field type myself. Well, in season two, Mariah actually goes out in the field with me yeah. and makes sure that we really get good sound, like everywhere we go. And so she's just on the journey. She's just along for, along for the ride. It's super good sport about it. Um, you music heads, you guys will be interested. Our composer, his name is Michelangelo Rodriguez. And according to my Spotify wrapped, I was his 99.9 percentile listeners because I listened to his soundtracks while I'm writing because he, he, oh, wow. he scored a lot of things, but he loves to score yeah. comedy because he says as a composer, um, when you make a comedy, one single comedy can require like six different genres sure. to score one single, you know, feature length like comedy. You know? Yeah. So he loves to score, he loves to score comedy. And he and like I said, his mom is from like two minutes down the house, down the street from my house. So um he was also able to just really bring that Texas flavor, you know, and not in that like stereotypical people outside Twangy, of Texas. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, one thing about us, but you know, those of us who are people of color who are from Texas, right? We experience Texas very differently from like how a WNYC reporter experiences Texas when they come to visit for a story right. about Trump's America, you know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay, so the show, and this is, I'm going to just betray it, our, our favorite interview segment portion, Ched Talk. I have a lot of questions related to season two. Um, but so the show now, it's, I mean, you got, you got, you you beat out 18,000 applicants to be part of Spotify's podcast program. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And then I still couldn't win the pitch competition. What? <laughs> so that first year, that first year that it was now like every, you know, Google and, and iHeart and all this. Now they have all of these competitions. That's like, we're going to, we feel bad about black lives now so we're gonna have a contest where you guys get to go into the coliseum and hunger games each other to pick the <laughs> one diverse show we're gonna put up you know but back when spotify was doing their hunger games that nobody expected so many applicants right people did not understand how pent up the, the the need to tell these stories was. And so there were 18,000 applicants to their first year because podcasting, um, I got into podcasting when I had my first kid 
and he was just a very demanding baby to breastfeed like you needed both eyes both hands both tits like just both everything right it was like a full body situation you had to be like on alert to keep this like baby alive so i couldn't watch like movies or reply to emails or things like that so i mean i listened to i mean probably hundreds of hours of podcasts and that's when i got into it so when this contest kind of came up to be like hey you don't have to have any experience just pitches your ideas and we're going to take 10 women and 10 of these women um are gonna you know kind of go through like a little boot camp and um then at the end they don't do it like this anymore for i think reasons that will become clear they <laughs> then the 10 women are gonna have a pitch competition and then three of them are gonna get grants to make the pilot episodes of their concepts you know yeah um and i came into it feeling at first i just felt like everybody like everybody feels who has to do these kinds of contests that you're like well if i get this rare opportunity i have to do something capital i important for my community i need to cover something just so i will carry the yoke of my people (laughs) yes i will i will step up to represent my race right i will draw attention to gentrification or politics or maternal mortality among women of color you know just something something like that and i care very deeply about these issues but that's not the kind of show I listen to. <laughs> I was like, I would listen to literally none of these ideas, scrapped yeah. all these ideas. And I'm like, I already had to package my trauma for consumption to be allowed to go to college. I feel like I shouldn't have to do that anymore. And anyway, I'm a really fun person. Like, why can't I just <laughs> make a show where I get to be like a really fun person? And I just was just racking my brain and it just hit me that I'm obsessed with nature shows, but nature is a cultural construct. What people think of as nature or what people think of as outdoor recreation is highly culturally specific. So I was like, here's a show that I can be where my perspective is super important, but it's not about how terrible it is to be a marginalized person in America, you know? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Like right. I could just be allowed to, I just, I said, I said, it's, I had to write this on a, an application recently to, because uh, now it's like award season. We're trying to get recognition for the show and everybody who worked on the show. And I was like, look, I, I am human and I just want to make a show where I get to be human instead of, I don't want to spend all my entire arts career convincing people that I'm human. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to be so, seen. I want to talk about the funny shit too. I don't just want to always be I just be want to be human, yeah. right? Because I am human. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to hear Asian American women be human very often, apparently. So, <laughs> so I made the show, but like I didn't get one of the grants um so then i went and made a kickstarter video about the show and we were able to fund just barely fund my audio equipment and camping equipment because camping equipment and audio equipment are both very expensive things to like kind of get going so i went into season two being like uh i conquered camping it was overrated but not a big deal pretty sure i can fucking go hunting okay (laughs) Oh, and for listeners who've listened to season two or or any of the episodes, you know, right out of the gate, you find out that it is a very different price point to go purchase a gun. <laughs> yeah, I got messages. For, there are people who are actual hunters who found the show. I don't know how all these outdoor people are finding this show. 
like I'm like, what are I mean, welcome, but what are y'all doing here? How'd you, you know? get here? Please fill out the survey. How did you find the show? <laughs> I always ask them when people people uh, episode four or five just dropped, uh, depending on when this this episode airs. Um, I had people just writing in who are gun people, who are hunters, just incensed about the advice that they heard me get about guns <laughs> in episode one. I this is how hard I tried to get a gun. I went on a Second Amendment conservative talk radio show to try to convince somebody to lend me their gun. Oh, and it didn't work, did it? No, it didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. But like, yeah, like episode, this is how insane. Episode one, I end up on like an Alex Jones type show. <laughs> Second Amendment hosted by a gay black man. <laughs> It's a big Second Amendment right to bear arms, like advocate, you know, um, and we have a great time. Everybody yeah. laughs, but like no one gives me their gun. There were um, so I had people. <laughs> so can I have the gun, please? So can I just bomb the gun? Like I'll, I'll it give back. it back. Like I have no need to keep this gun once the season's over. I'll bring it back, you know. But no, nobody let me their guns because you know come and take it. That's just kind of where they are. What? <laughs> Well, it's yeah, it it was I, there was an interesting exchange where explaining not borrowing the gun, one of the hosts of the show or actually I think the owners of the gun shop technically uh, were saying something like we don't rent guns because, you know, sometimes somebody gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Fair think enough. That's, Fair that you're enough. right. <laughs> and it's almost like there's a line that's not filled in like somebody's going to get shot. And if it's with my gun, I'm going to be the one doing the shooting, not somebody else. It's just like yeah, yeah. that line that wasn't filled in. But um, well, I think you're right. I think you hit it when when you mentioned your your producer and everybody that is involved in the show is clearly a good sport. And not to, that that phrasing kind of implies that, oh, Ivy, she's a pain in the ass. Like, no, just like it's a crazy thing to undertake as I'm going to go do some shit, whatever it is. And just dig in and try it and truly be a good sport because you have to. We're recording. Like, for <laughs> perspective, to. going into the radio booth with these guys with like three guns each that are visible, okay, is not even the craziest thing that happens in episodes one through three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was listening and I feel like because I think you kind of hinted at that or you said that before the interview there's like a sketch to be written about that, like sitting in that booth and there's, is that a gun? This one? Yeah. Is that a gun? Yeah. This one. Gun? Yeah. What's that in your gun? Yeah. Just like yeah. all the guns that right. were and clearly just like, all. Is that a gun? Can I gun. borrow one? No. Get your own. No. Get your own at the gun shop that is sponsoring the show. Right. Let me get you, and I can get you in a $4,000 price point. Um, yeah, well, but... So, yeah, real hunters have written in just incensed about it. They're like, there are all these, there are so many more accessible ways to get guns. And I just want to assure the listener, guns, we, guns come back, okay? They just, we haven't come back to guns yet in the episodes that I've dropped. I promise you, the show takes place uh, in Texas. Like, we, we get other perspectives on guns eventually. It just was just, took a little doing to find them. Uh, well, and, and I, I love that because it is what, what makes it a fun show is 
it's a fun narrative. It's a fun story to follow. It's light. It's goofy. There's substance to it, though, at the same time. It's not just, you know, Ben and I, we were talking about before uh, we started recording today, some some podcasts out there where it's people get enamored with their own voice, I think. Yours, truly, like as a person who does a lot of the hosting, you talk a lot. And I think there's, it's great when you have different voices. It's great when you have people doing different things, pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And that's definitely, definitely what Fogo is. Where is, okay. So Spotify, it's a Spotify original. Uh, Check us out, check you out on Spotify. Is there a place or website or social that people follow you or can check out all the great things you're doing? Because truly the first episode, by the way, 30 to 50 feral hogs is the title of that episode. If you know... If you don't know anything about that is like, that's going to be a meme. meme. That's going to be a lot of explaining 20 years from now. People are like, what does this mean? I'm like, so there's this guy, Jason Isbell, right? He gets into an exchange with a guy about guns and it goes crazy. <laughs> so check it out. But like, I mean, there's so much fun stuff happening. Where can people follow all the awesome things that are happening on your show? Uh, if you if you want to follow the show itself, you can follow it on Instagram at Fogo Podcast. At, that's Fogo F O G O, which stands for Fear of Going Outside. Uh, you can follow all of my shenanigans on pretty much any social media platform at Ivy Lee with one E, and I spell that whole phrase out like Ivy Y L E W I T H O N E E. You know, and you can pray. You can pretty much find me anywhere: TikTok, you know, Twitter, Instagram, what have you. And yeah, I post about all my projects and all my shows. And travels and festivals that I do uh, on my personal Instagram. And just in case you're wondering too, I think the website is the same Ivy Lee with one E dot com, something like that. I mean, yeah. that's that's if you want to, if that's if you're an LA agent <laughs> and you want to see my work. All the better. And yeah, if you're in, <laughs> please. I'm <laughs> hello, LA. I have written a pilot script about a ninja who is tired of being trafficked for violence, and she decides to try to level up her life by going to coding camp. It turns out, changing your life is a very <laughs> difficult thing to do. So if you are looking for a comedy writer, uh, uh, com. everyone else, you can go to fogopodcast.com and uh, get Fogo some podcast. merch. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll edit that out and post. Ben has a lot of editing to do. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at our favorite point here uh, in Ched Talk, our Real Wolf Record Club, where we do Ched Talk with our guest. Ivy Lee with one E. Are you ready to play Hi. Ched Talk? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, first question. It's a three-parter. Well, not a three-parter. There's three parts to it. Um, stupid, stupider, stupidest. Stupid, stupider, stupidest. Uh, skiing, camping, or hunting? Oh, I'm so relieved. I thought you were going to make us make me rank the three of us. Oh my no, God. <laughs> no, well, you can go ahead if you want. <laughs> skiing, camping, or hunting? Stupid. Stupider and stupidest. And by the way, this speaking of shots across the bow and metaphors involving guns and violence, um, Ben is a big hunter and a big oh I not a gun guy, but a big hunter, big camper. So um these are direct shots from friend to friend across the bow. <laughs> I mean, absolutely 
the stupidest of all of these things is skiing by a large margin. I there's so much shit involved. There's so much pain. Uh, the culture yeah. is terrible. The conditions are terrible. The I got to click this terrible. and carry that and this. And then you get and you, okay, I'm riding this thing. And I get to the top and I shush, 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 and I'm down. And the whole time I'm like, don't, don't fall. Don't die. Don't break something. You're almost 40. Don't do that. And then you get to the bottom and it was like, Hey, that was great. We'll go again. Like that was like 20 minutes. Yeah. The whole it, day it, of this. I ah. unfortunately found myself on a ski slope this January because I am married to a white man and <laughs> a marriage was not legal when I was that age. Okay. It just literally, it wasn't legal. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and this is, these are the consequences. These are the consequences yeah, of, of that kind of marriage. So I was at, that's an issue. No one's point. talking about, by the way, I'm talking about it. <laughs> I talk about it. Forced constantly. skiing is a problem. I, I was standing in line. I was in ADHD hell trying to get rent all this equipment and sign all these waivers or whatever. And I still had to stand in line to get my skis. And because I had opted, since I'd never tried these things before, I was like, okay, one day skiing, one day um, uh, snowboarding, and like whatever. Yeah. And then somebody in line explained to me that I was going to have to do all of this again the next day because I was turning in my skis and I had to do it all separately to get snowshoeing. And I started crying. I literally was like crying, whole carrying my boots. And my husband was like, why are you crying? He's like, I, we didn't pay all this money. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. We didn't pay all this money to force you to do something you don't want to do. And I, and I wasn't even the only person crying. I have <laughs> never, I have never been to something that is called a park and like, or like supposed to be fun, full of tourists who paid a lot of money to be there and have so many adults yelling at their crying children, begging, <laughs> begging their parents to stop the pain and their parents just yelling at them to suck it up. It was traumatic. So by a large margin, skiing is the worst. And maybe this will surprise you, but um, it's just like stupider and not stupidest, camping. There's oh. literally no point there's literally no. no point to camp. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> People think it's quiet. You go out there for the quiet. It's not even quiet. Nature is always like, it's fucking terrible. Okay. <laughs> Hunting is merely stupid. When I was camping in season one, there would be these moments where I would just like disassociate because I'm like, why are we still here? What are we even doing here? When you're hunting, you're like, why are we still here? Oh, because I haven't killed anything yet. Yeah. Right. And once I kill something, then we're going to go home. <laughs> this then listen, there's no order that makes sense to me because they all make sense to me. Like if you had said, ah, oh, skiing, whatever, <laughs> like I look at like camping, like you get all again, this tells you a lot of you pack up all this shit and you get all the stuff and you think about it and you're thinking, you're thinking, <laughs> I got to buy this shit and I got to get it all get it. <clears throat> I got to load it up. I got to go somewhere. I got to get there. I get out. I unload all the shit. Hang out. And eh, picture. Have a fire. Sleep. Yeah. And Not you're well. like, now what? Now, now what? what? <laughs> so wait, at this point, though, Ivy, we've got them where we want them. Ben, now what? <laughs> now what? I've, I've got a question for you, Ivy. Okay. So imagine this. 
You're dropped on an uninhabited lake in the uh -huh. remote Canadian wilderness okay. via float plane. Something I've actually done many times voluntarily and for pleasure. <laughs> what is wow. the one item you choose to bring with you? Well, and before you answer that question, just so you know, Ivy and I were actually putting you on the spot, like how much camping sucks. And then we were like, now what do we do, Ben? So we'll circle back to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it. But there's my Chad Tech question for you. You dropped in the uh, uninhabited lake, remote Canadian mm -hmm. wilderness, via float plane. What is the one item you choose to bring with you? Uh, so my reference for Canadian wilderness is the incredible hunting movie called Prey, which is a prequel to the Predator <laughs> movies. And based on that knowledge of Canada, um, I would bring a buck knife so that I could pick out oysters and just eat them raw. Yes. All day long. <laughs> and I, then I had the buck knife and then I could, you know, fix my I, eyebrows, shave my eyebrows when they got out of hand. I don't know how long you stay. I don't know if this from an island or why. They, forever. They just go. They're just always camping. <laughs> Somebody always camping. Um, let's stick with the... Uh, the podcast what's something you would not do on the show because you're going to do the season the show many seasons over and over what's you've done camping stupid <laughs> hunting stupid now what what's one thing that you would say i don't want to do that <laughs> uh nudity hmm. i've had no nudity on my podcast class <laughs> that's the writer yeah, I'm not I'm not showing my tits for Spotify. Oh. That's in mosquito country. I'm also allergic to like everything. So like I just don't want to be touching things. Um I at the risk of parsing art again and dissecting art. It's not a video podcast though, right? Yeah. No, it's so, not. But, but I still oh, but, would do it. Oh, I I get what you're saying. You'd be going still to, to the Everything on the show is real, dude. I know. Everything I'm I'm thinking real. that through out loud now. I get it. Um, okay. All right. Got it. Nudity. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of nudity, why is outdoor clothing so ugly? I have not figured that out. And I have been trying to run down the answer for damn near three years at this point. Mm. I think the closest I could figure out is they don't think it's ugly. There are plenty of outdoor people like Mexican cowboys look amazing and absolutely can withstand outdoor weather conditions. You know, people are always constantly telling me on my show and on social media that like my shoes are wrong. My people picked out the French entire sandals. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it does not have to look like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's. Uh, move to the final question at Chet Talk and then talk about Lemonade, Beyonce's gem from 2016. Uh, Jay, uh, there's a quote in Lemonade, the film, talking about life, uh, someone being served lemons and making lemonade out of it. What have you made lemonade out of in your life? I would definitely say my allergies. I mean, I <laughs> am a comedian with a show on Spotify. <laughs> I live in Austin, Texas. Like the Spotify shows in Austin, it's like literally me and Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm serious. Like that's it, right? Those are those are the two of us. Um, and yeah, I don't know any other comedian that has uh, made such a meal out of her just absurd 
like obscene level of allergies of like all texas trees grasses weeds uh most bugs mites mm. raw cherries the, i'm allergic to cold air it's called cold yeah. urticaria <laughs> like no one yeah. has made such a meal of their allergies as me and you've done it and you've done it. I think you've won Ched talk here on the real wolf record club uh, by making a lemons, out, no lemonade out of lemons with your allergies. Um, let's turn now. We're here now at the, the, the part of the show where we talk about the album, the actual yes, the reason album for the season, yes. the reason for the season, uh, the actual album. I, I, I look and we start, you know, we talked a lot about kind of where this album came at in your life and, and what it might've meant to you at different points um, and what it might not mean to you, not this album, but maybe things, other things Beyonce has done. But I'm always so curious to kind of pull out, you know, if you're a listener, you know, a lot of our listeners might follow us because they like our guests or because they like our albums that we've picked. And we really try to focus on bringing in a bunch of different voices on both ends, different types of music, different types of guests, different backgrounds, different jobs. And I'm always so interested to know that our listeners might be exactly the same and they might say, why would I listen to a Beyonce record? Well, here's why with our favorite song segment. So I'm curious, Ivy, you have to, you were listeners. Ivy's been such a great guest and she came on. And the first thing she said before we started recording was she said, you're going to make me pick a favorite song. And I said, you're damn right. I am. <laughs> so now you gotta do it. What is your favorite song off of lemonade? my connection bye <laughs> <laughs> we've lost our guest the line has gone dead what okay. is your favorite song okay i i narrowed it down <laughs> okay i think I've got, i'll commit i'll commit i'm gonna commit to formation wow Be yes i am gonna commit to formation oh god but the runners up are hold up and freedom wow. and all of these the here's the thing is we're reviewing this so many years later after the existence of homecoming so to me how some like obviously the film version of them the 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 you know the music version of them but also the live performance version of some of these songs like in homecoming like i can't not i can't like yeah. unsee them do you know right. <laughs> when I'm, and right. unhear them when i'm like picking these songs and yeah i listen to hold up all the time but when formation gets on formation is that you know when i'm saying this album is like oh she's becoming a woman on her own terms and she's going to define herself the way that she wants to define herself not just in light of um, you know, just like claiming, claiming an intersectional and racial identity that like she was much more subtle, subtle about in the past, but also reclaiming the narrative of what was going on in her marriage as just two yeah. very prominent celebrities who had that whole elevator fight with Solange like moment, you know, yeah. Um, and just kind of crafted, just taking control back of all of that, that we see that whole journey, but like the encapsulation of that, like stepping into it. I feel like is formation. And so that's yeah. why when that song comes on in the club, everybody is ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, I love that part of it because again, we, we have mentioned, talked a little bit about pop, pop stars, things like that. And, and what I, you've already hit on a theme, something that probably makes Beyonce, not so much the, you know, 
strictly musically, not the traditional pop star. And that is that there's a live element or there's a performative element to her art, to her music that will inform. You can't get away from it. It'll inform your experience of this song. If you're playing it on Spotify or whatever, you will think, oh, remember how that sounded on Homecoming? Or remember how this sounded? Or I've seen that live and know how it sounds or know what they do live. And that's absolutely, if you're a music head, that's absolutely a thing is that there's another version you might be thinking of and somehow they get melded in your brain as that's what I always hear because I know they do it a little different than that other version. So that makes this version better. And I, I love that. Um, is there, I mean, besides you just did what Ben always does. Ben has a hard time. He says one, a one B one C one D one F right? he picks like, everything. <laughs> but is there a song that is kind of the counterbalance? You got formation. So I'll give you a two. Cause I know you had a hard time with one there's formation. What's the counterbalance, the counterweight that you would pick in this song? Because it's very conceptual in that there's a narrative part that goes through the album. Is yeah, there something like that's, that... That's the most assured one. Yeah. And I think the real counterbalance, like, and because it's kind of a journey, right? So it starts like way earlier. So I think maybe... I was about to say hold up, but actually... I don't actually think the holdup is this a counterbalance. I think the counterbalance is daddy lessons yeah. where, right. It's just like, I mean, I think that one's country, right? That's, that's something that's amazing about this album is it doesn't seem gimmicky when she changes genres, like in yeah. the middle of the album, like it feels very purposeful and, and organic, you know, when she sure. switches genres. And so I think with daddy, you know, you she's like in this daughter and oldest daughter kind of position, which is kind of inherently to live for the survival of everyone else but you. That like you can sacrifice every part of yourself to hold everybody else together because, you know, your parents are like your parents are going through it and can't be completely there and the parents that they need to be for your little siblings. And so, you know, daddy lessons is about her her dad basically kind of like officially explicitly being like, you need to do this. Cause like, I'm, I gotta go, you know, <laughs> and like shoot yeah. the gun, do what you need to do, you know? And, and, and so I, I think that, and it's just like vulnerable, it's vulnerable and um it's tragic, but it's real as opposed to just the swagger where she actually invokes her parents again at the beginning of formation, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's like kind of the line where a lot of times I think, um, uh, you know, what you get is a Texas Bama, you know, like, and then, and then that beat just drops and it's just yeah. like, ah, oh, everybody goes crazy. Right. Especially when you're in Texas, that line, everybody's like, ah, <laughs> we just can't <laughs> stop. Like the room is just like shaking yeah. that line draws. Um, and whereas, yeah, it's kind of that journey of like, yeah, I had to be daddy's girl and like the oldest daughter and, and these things. And then, and then eventually you get into formation. And mm, you're mm, grateful mm. for your parents and everything that you know came before, but like this is how it is now. Now, before I was the oldest sister and like the sacrificial leader, but now she's like, "Ladies, get information." Now I am just the leader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That, interesting. I love that part of it. You know, narrative, whether it's a con concept album or narrative album, that you can find different points on the same timeline or the same journey or a different journey that kind of balancing other. Um, DJ, former wedding DJ Ben, what what is your favorite song on this album? I I, I did have trouble, as as Joe has uh, rightly pointed out. 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna be decisive and I'm gonna go with all night. Ooh, I just I thought that that song was just so impressive and really catchy, and I I found myself really enjoying it. And then the Outcast sample kind of about halfway through hits, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's it, I'm, I'm sold. It's, it's kind of that that horn section from Spodio to Dopalicious. Yeah, and I was like, ooh, this is it. This is the one. And there's I was a, there's living a lot. in Georgia when AT Aliens dropped. Yeah, I nice. heard that. It was ooh, yeah, it's awesome. So, for me, that 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 kind of sold it. That just was like the the extra little, uh, you know, cherry on top of, mm-hmm. of the song that 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 bumped it ahead of a, a few that I actually really liked. What were the runners up? So, I had a, a, a probably a, a solid one B of freedom, which we're gonna see again. And uh, I also really liked "Don't Hurt Yourself" because I'm a kind of rock guy, and uh, I do I do mostly like Jack White in mm-hmm. most of the stuff he does. So having yeah. him on that song was like, oh okay, I, I can get into this. I like it. And and you know, I the part of the reason on this is I did not know that was going to happen uh, that we would have duplicate favorite songs. But sometimes we talk about those runners up because it is reductive to say pick me one song. But I do that. Especially on a concept album. I know. I get I've been told that before. Everyone says you can't pick (laughs) one. I'm making you. Uh, But it is it is tough because I think I think it's important for people to get a flavor for what is it about maybe the whole album. But also, is there something I can immediately we're in an age where you can access now. And so we're going to give you something to go access now. And on an album like this, that is the beauty of why I think this if I were to have to pick. My first question, favorite concept album. This is the first concept album that isn't so tied in by those exact constraints that you have to listen to the first three things. Even the Kate Bush record we did. To be perfectly honest, I find half that album really difficult to process just sonically. Like I, I this part makes sense only because the last part makes sense. And sometimes I'm listening to a music, you know, music before my toddler gets in the car and I can't listen to the whole thing i can listen to part of it so this helps um you're also a this, serial shuffler i'm also a serial shuffler Serial, <laughs> it's, it's bad um but to that point picking something out it's good to have others so people can maybe not hear the same thing because ben and i had the same thing uh we live in an area of saint paul we've got a tiny little postage stamp size yard I love to spend time in it in the backyard. We planted when we moved in. We bought this dinky little knee-high rose bush. Rose bushes do horribly here in the Twin Cities for some reason. Oh. And seven years later, I am not kidding. It's 12 feet tall. It's a climbing rose bush. It's humongous. There's sometimes in the summer, I'll walk outside and the moon will be coming down through the trees. Wind will be blowing. Beautiful night. And that is that song. That's not me getting choked up. That's me being sick. Um, but truthfully, that is, I hear all night and I hear just the beautiful, her, her voice. I, it's, there's something beautiful about it. Even the guitar, the reggae-ish guitar, those smacks is almost like for me on the notion of camping and not camping in the city, living in the city. And I can hear dogs bark where I can hear car doors shut, where I can hear just the peaceful through the trees. Like there's there's something about I can picture that. 
and I can put myself in that place and become so centered. And all night, I want to say it was close. The only one close for me was six inch because she sounds like she's ready to murder everyone in here. And it is it is heavy. It is intense. It is. I hate this phrase. I hate it, but it's badass. Like she is she's she's bad in that song and I love it. So that's what I would pull out. I think those are our great highlights, things that if you wanted to get a feel for this album and you wanted to have some instantly accessible things, those are some songs um, to definitely go at. But again, on the notion of picking out songs and a notion of putting them in a way, we have our resident former wedding DJ, Ben. <laughs> ben, please, 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 you've got a, a monumental task and I know you're up to it. Please put it on a playlist. Joe, I am I am happy to put Beyonce on a playlist, and what I'm going to put on the playlist is "Freedom," because it was my one B song, and it's powerful. Man, it is. There's nothing super. Kendrick touches that isn't old. Oh. I mean, so I have even, to I, even the version ahead. without Kendrick in "Homecoming." It's like the third song in "Homecoming," right? And it's mm-hmm. so powerful even without yeah. Kendrick Lamar. Sure. And I, I, I read something, um, I think it was a Pitchfork article, and the writer described it as equally valid as a civil rights anthem and an Adidas ad song. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's right. Like, yeah. this, go, this fits equally as well as a civil rights anthem or just like playing on an Adidas commercial with like people running in the outdoors. Um, so I just thought that was that was pretty spot on. But it also is like, that makes that song pretty special that it can like, speak to so many things and so many emotions but i'm putting more than just beyonce on the playlist it's not a beyonce only this is what is it called the the bay the bay hive the bay hive this is not the bay hive so we're gonna put kendrick lamar on there die hard we're gonna put on outcast spodioti yes. delicious we're gonna put james blake on there a little retrograde okay we got three more on the preview here weekend blinding lights Yes. Diplo. Hot. Uh-huh. Where are you now? Okay. And Jack White, three women. Joe, what have I got here for a for a theme? Can you can you pick on it? Can I told you, you I hate riddles. <laughs> what is the common thread? I'm gonna what? give you another second here, and then Ivy, I'm tell you. Any guesses? <laughs> I don't. I, I just see kind of the it, everybody who worked on this album. You are correct. These are oh, really? all, yeah. These are all artists and producers oh. contributing yeah. to the operations of Beyonce's Lemonade Stand, which is the name of this playlist. Beyonce's Lemonade Stand. It's a juicy playlist that's worth <laughs> the squeeze. We've got some other stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soldier Boy, Led Zeppelin, Isaac Hayes, Animal Collective, Snoop Dogg. These are all th- songs that are sampled. In uh, Beyonce's Lemonade album, wow. we gotta close it out. We gotta close it out though with Jay Z. Ninety nine problems because after okay, listening yeah. to this concept album, I think he has one more, and it's his <laughs> wife, and he needs to make her happy. <laughs> he needs to fix 
what he broke. Um, I, oh. I don't think the problem was his wife. I think the problem was his mistress. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, which made no. a problem with his wife, and he needs to fix it. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you can. Uh, yeah. Well, well done, Ben. Well done. Um, you can check out our playlist on Spotify, or I think wherever you get your streaming services. Uh, also go to our website, realwolfrecordclub.com. You can find guest information, episode information. You can find those playlists. You can find links to merch by our very own good friend, Ward Sutton. Uh, I think we're at that point. I think we're at that point where we put a spin on it. We've been talking for quite a while of our good friend, Ivy Lee with one E about the great show that she's doing about uh, her love of Beyonce, about her love of the indoors and outdoors <laughs> and her all her travels with it um what we do here though as we talked about give you a little sample of what the song or what the albums are through through either a favorite song or a favorite moment or a favorite part or a favorite topic or concept that comes through um and they're all here there there are so many things that you could take and unpack um, but we give you a little taste and a little idea to go chase your own chase your own uh moment on this record but we put a ranking on it. We give it a stamp. We give it something that says this is what we think of it. Um, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Ben you or uh, not Ben the last word. I'm gonna give I the last word. I'm gonna tell you that this is a surprising part for me. This one was surprising because I like to think I listen to a lot of different music. I don't typically listen to country. All apologies to your friends in Texas, Ivy, because that's what we in the North think of people in the South, the Islands, and the country. Um, but I, I, it, I've never been somebody who has dug super deep into certain pop. And by certain pop, I would say um, the Destiny's Child boy band era of the 90s, the late 90s, was an era in which it was indie rap, hardcore punk for me. That was it. And from there, it kind of has come full circle. That's not to say I dismissed or had an issue or didn't like Beyonce, but I just, I knew her hits. I liked them, thought they were fine. This was a great album to consider start to finish. And I'm going to tell you, I am surprised. I thought I was going to say, yeah, it's not bad. I didn't think I was going to dislike it. I didn't realize I was going to fucking love it. Like, love it. This is it. This is an album. My test, one of my tests for, for songs, albums is how long do I let it play? Do I let it roll? Do I let it roll? This is an album I let roll over. And I probably listened to it 20 times. This is such a good album. So I'm going to give it by it again. I'm going to give it that that mark. I think it's that good. Um, ben, I'm curious to know uh, what what your thoughts are on, the, on how you rank uh, Beyonce's Lemonade. Well, you better believe that for a bouquet toss, I've brought all the single ladies to the dance floor with some Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. um, have I you, dug you into the money? <laughs> right. Have I dug into the Beyonce discography? No. <laughs> uh, did I ever sit down and listen to Beyonce album? No. I totally anticipated this would be kind of like a pop forward dance album. And holy cow, was I surprised. <laughs> like, yeah. I started listening to this and I, it was like, like almost a spit take of like, what, what is this? What am I listening to? And it's, I don't know if this is becoming a theme or if our guests are just picking like phenomenal albums, but, uh, you know, introduce an album that I just completely discounted as pop, didn't listen to it. 
and then turn around and be just totally and pleasantly surprised. And that's where I, I kind of landed with this album. The more I listened to it, the more I was like, this is kind of incredible. Like the, the way that all of these things come together. And then I thought of what's my one word for this album and it's magnetic because I think there's just so much that thread kind of pulls that, you know, the, the thread of Beyonce just like flows through the whole album, but there's so many people and pieces and parts that all just kind of like neatly come together. And even though it's not like the same, each song isn't the same or even sound the same or in the same genre, it all still just kind of fits. It all is just kind of held together. And so I, if you would have told me before I listened to this album that I would rate this a buy it, I would have called you a liar. And I guess I'm calling myself a liar now because that's that's exactly where I landed on this one. F fantastic album, totally worth a listen, and totally worth having a copy in your library. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, that leaves just one. Ivy Lee with one E, Beyonce, Lemonade. I got a, I, I got a feeling I think I know where you're going with it, but do tell. How do you rank Lemonade? Buy the vinyl, buy the movie, buy buy the street. You know, maybe I I I do not I did not subscribe to title for this. I watched it when it was briefly available on <laughs> another streaming service. <laughs> you know, but buy it, buy it, buy it. If she never puts out another masterpiece like this for the rest of her career, she she still would be in the black. Yeah, and like she does not owe us anything else after this. That good. It's that good. Mm -hmm. I think I think Ivy's got it right. I mean, this is an album that pop stars, singers, R&B stars, rock, whatever, any artist creating music, creating art for the world would, I don't want to say they'd kill for it, but they'd do a lot to put something out as, as perfect as this record. So um, please go check out Queen Bay. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Go check out Queen Bay wherever you get your streaming services. If you're still using Title, uh, find this album, listen to it, start to finish. Think about some of those samples that Ben referenced in the playlist that will pull out that you'll hear and say, "Wow, this is incredible." And then listen to Beyonce, listen to her voice, listen to what she's talking about, listen to the spine tingling whispers that come in through certain songs. Listen to all of that and and just absorb it and enjoy it. Um, listen to Ivy, listen to Ivy Lee with one E Fogo podcast. Uh, it is so after my own heart with all the feelings about how stupid the outdoors are. Um, it is super, it is but outdoor it is, people love it too. I know it's, and it's, it's a great show to check out. So definitely check it out on Spotify. Uh, the very funny Ivy, Ivy Lee with one E and you can check her out on Instagram. I believe it's spelled out Ivy Lee with one E. Yeah. Just Whole like that. I'll spell that. Mm -hmm. Check her out, follow her, support her podcast. Um, you can check us out. You can follow us for all of our shows, all of our guests, all of our information at realwolfrecordclub.com. We are on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club on Twitter, if you're still using Twitter, at Real Wolf RC. <laughs> um I say that because I mean most people aren't, but um, yes, definitely follow us, follow our guests, and 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 follow follow your nose, follow your heart with music because that's really what it is. It should bring you joy, should bring you something happy. This album definitely brought me some happiness and joy, and I know our guests and panel did too. 
Um, that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in, and we can't wait to talk to you again. This is The Real Wolf Record Club. This has been the Real Wolf Record Club podcast, a production of Real Wolf Productions, LLC, a limited liability company. This show is produced by Ben Head and hosted by Joe Vantomi with musical credits to the incomparable Laserbeak. Follow us and join the club on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club or on Twitter at Real Wolf RC. Check out our website at realwolfrecordclub.com to find all our episodes, guest information, playlists, and merch created by Ward Sutton. Join us next episode as we discuss the 1993 album Midnight Marauders by A Tribe Called Quest. <laughs>